0: Welcome to Hear Me Out. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Donald Trump is now the first President of the United States to be indicted. If you, like more than half of the country, according to YouGov, don't like the former president, it's easy to see this as a win, or maybe karma, or perhaps a pathway to a former president in prison. But it might not be that simple. And because the Justice Department did not move swiftly, this might not be the legal slam dunk many on the left are hoping for.
1: Nobody will go on the record. All of them say, this is not a good case. Let's say you want Trump in prison. That doesn't mean that this is going to get you there.
0: Former federal prosecutor Ankush Kardori joins us on Hear Me Out in just a moment. Stay with us. at
1: LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, so you might have heard news about a former president facing a little legal trouble during the past few weeks. No worries if you didn't hear about that. It has definitely flown under the radar. Very few people are talking about it and there's hardly any news shows discussing it. Obviously, I'm I'm kidding. Donald Trump became the first ex-president to be indicted on criminal charges last week. And if you somehow didn't know that, I would love to know which rock you've been living under and, and how to join you. Like pretty much everything else Trump has done, at least in recent years, this indictment has sparked very strong feelings. Regardless of where you are in the political spectrum, most people have an opinion. For some, it's full-on outrage. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham. This is selective prosecution, it's legal garbage in New York, it's politically motivated, and we do have one last chance to not become a banana republic. And for others, this is a victory. Yusuf Salam is an exonerated member of the Central Park Five. Uh, Trump had called for the Five's execution in 1989. He's now a New York City Council candidate, and his office released a statement that read simply, karma. And it's that latter feeling we really want to dig into today. If you do not like Donald Trump, and the latest polling from YouGov suggests more than half of Americans don't, it's easy to see this unprecedented moment as a win. But our guest today argues it might not be that simple. Whether we like it or not, the justice system functions differently for a man like Donald Trump, who used to be president. And indicting him may have opened a Pandora's box that in the future we may wish had stayed closed. It's hard to think of someone better to ask about this than our guest, whose specialties include prosecuting white-collar crime. Writer and former federal prosecutor Ankush Kardori joins us now. Hi, Ankush.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So tell me uh, in one or two sentences your opinion here.
1: My thought is that as soon as Donald Trump left office uh, in early 2021, the Justice Department under Joe Biden and Merrick Garland should have conducted very swift, very robust, responsible, but aggressive criminal investigations into Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election and his and his company's financial dealings, about which there could have been significant questions raised in the run-up to the 2020 election. We now have a situation where the Justice Department didn't do that. They've been very late to... Uh, pursue Donald Trump. They left a vacuum, and we now have a local prosecutor being the first to fill that vacuum. And I doubt he will be the last in the long term to criminally pursue a former U.S. president.
0: So it sounds like your opinion is not that presidents shouldn't be indicted, right?
1: Absolutely but- not. Absolutely not. I you're sensing some, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not uh, directed at you, but. Uh, Sensing some little frustration because, uh, you know, I, po- I published a piece on this uh, a few days ago in the Times. A lot of people have reached out to me, people who I gather did not read until the end, to complain <laughs> that I was suggesting that President or Trump should somehow be above the law. I shouldn't be indicted. I have been arguing for years, for actual years, that Trump should be robustly investigated and potentially prosecuted by the Justice Department. I absolutely do not believe an ex-president is somehow immune from criminal indictment. That is something I've never believed. It's absurd. And I just thank you for giving me the opportunity to sort of clarify that.
0: Okay. So he should be indicted if they have enough evidence to support that, in your opinion. But it should have been the justice, the federal Justice Department, and not a local prosecutor. Why
1: The Justice Department is our only nationally representative prosecutorial body. It is the most professional, it's the most well-resourced prosecutorial body we have in this country, arguably in the world. It is the only one with the ability to generate broad-based public and political support. And by the way, it is also the likeliest to actually secure significant criminal sanctions upon a conviction, including imprisonment. We can get into the DA's case, but people are really fooling themselves if they think that the odds are substantial that, you know, Trump would go to prison even if he's convicted on this. Uh, So, you know, I want Swift effective, uh, broadly bought into accountability. And I think the Justice Department has always been the first best hope for that. And, you know, in terms of the political kind of chaos that we're or seeing surrounding this indictment, none of it surprises me. And it could have been and should have been avoided. The fact that the Justice Department, in my opinion, sort of did not do its best work here under Joe Biden and Eric Garland. You know, they've, they've shifted gears considerably since appointing Special Counsel Jack Smith last November. That came yes. to my mind far too late. The that the, My observation does not mean that the DA's case is legally invalid or should be tossed out. Arguably, both him and the Fulham County District Attorney down in Georgia had their own obligations to their constituents to fill this vacuum because they're investigating conduct within their jurisdictions. Now, in the ordinary course, and this happens all the time on a daily basis, when the Justice Department is investigating significant area of conduct, a significant person, And um, they catch wind that a local prosecutor may have some overlapping interest for some reason or another. They will coordinate with the local prosecutor's office, respectfully ask them to stand down. Almost always that happens because these local prosecutor's offices do not have a ton of resources. And they also know that the Justice Department can do a better job in hard cases and is likelier to obtain real criminal sanctions at the end of the process.
0: Okay, I want to play you a, a clip from the DA, DA Bragg, um, who held a press conference last Tuesday and talked about why he is so interested in making this case. Let's take a listen.
1: True and accurate business records are important everywhere, to be sure. They are all the more important in Manhattan, financial center of the world. That is why we have a history in the Manhattan DA's office of vigorously enforcing white collar crime.
0: So this is the exact kind of of crimes that you have also been pretty determined to to call out, um, to make sure that people who break the law, even if it's in white collar, see justice. You've been a whistleblower on a number of occasions. By your own admission, the Justice Department has been moving really, really slowly. Why isn't it okay for the district attorney in New York to say enough is enough? We have the evidence we're going to indict.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I do think and and that that he that the DA arguably had an imperative to charge this case in light of the fact that Justice Department did not ask him evidently to stand down, does not have its own active investigation into Trump's finances, and has been largely absent from the scene, totally absent from the scene on this subject, meaning finance, tr- Trump and his business's finances you know, the sort of investigation I wanted to see that would encompass something like this as a very small part of a more large, uh, a larger investigation should have been done like immediately, I think, after after Biden took office. I mean, it's, it kind of feels like ancient history, but we just have to take people back to, to the 2020 election. In the run-up to the election, there were a lot of news stories about Trump's business dealings, uh, including yeah. the time series on Trump's taxes. And so if anybody else, in the country had been a subject of a series of stories like that from the New York Times the criminal investigation by the justice department would have practically opened itself the next day like the, so the notion that like the justice department didn't have a predicate and, and imperative to sort of look at this in a much more comprehensive way is is wrong they should have and i think that represents a significant failure on the part of this justice department so you know the fact that that vacuum exists i think it it is fair for people to say, for the DA to say, and I don't think I can really quibble this, for for people to say, okay, but so should he stand down too because the Justice Department stood down and, and that, that doesn't follow, right? So I do think it's it's fair for people to say, and then as I've said, you know, the fact that like kind of things played out in this odd and to my mind suboptimal way, um, is not itself an indictment of the merits of the case, right? And we can, I want to bracket that because obviously there's been a lot of discussion about the merits of the case and we can get into that. But um, obviously we had a good sense of the merits of the case. I had a good sense of the merits of the case um, going into uh, Tuesday and at the time that I wrote that piece as a result of my own reporting. But um, I understand why people say, well, why, you know, why the not gave up this because the Justice Department did. That's a fair position.
0: I don't really know where I agree or disagree with you, but we're going to dig into it more. We'll take a break <laughs> now. Uh, this is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate, and I'm speaking with former federal prosecutor Kush Khodori. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: We're back. Thanks for joining us. This is Hear Me Out, uh, a podcast from Slate. And we're talking today with former federal prosecutor and writer Ankush Cardori about whether the indictments that came down from New York were something to celebrate. I'm Celeste Headley, and I don't know where I stand on this right now. (laughs) I'm unsure, Ankush, because... Here's why. I am not a legal expert, and I have been frustrated that it has the Justice Department has not taken action on what appear to be a lot of very, very troubling, possibly illegal activities in a number of arenas. By the same token, I celebrated the indictments only because I don't think anyone should be above the law. I mean, I, I think that often the Justice Department maybe gets caught up in politics, and I, I didn't want to hang my hopes on Merrick Garland. What do you think?
1: You know, I I think that's a very fair view to hold. I think that where it gets complicated is, you know, as it happened, and I knew this at the time that I wrote my piece, but, you know, then Diamond wasn't public. This case is not a paradigmatic example of the principle that no one is above the law. It It doesn't fit that principle in the same way that other cases might because everything about this case is unique. Um, how it how it began, how it was investigated, the starts and stops and even the final output. I mean, there's been a lot and again, we can bracket kind of discussion of the merits of the case and come back to that. But the suggestion that, you know, in recent days by, you know, Trump antagonists in, in the legal commentary set that this is kind of run-of-the-mill for the DA's office. They do this all the time. I mean, that's just not true. It's, it's not true. And I have never seen a case like this candidly at the federal or state level. Over the recent, in the past week, actually, just in connection with another project, I've been talking to you know former federal prosecutors on a, like an almost daily basis. And I've just been taking the opportunity to ask them. Nobody will go on the record. All of them say, this is not a good case and that the Justice Department should have been here, the DA's office should have stayed down. And I know that sounds self-serving because just people, people are agreeing with, agreeing with me, but I just ask people to maintain an open mind. Um, so this is not an uncommon sentiment among people from the sort of, who spend some time in the law enforcement community. And so I think just secondarily to, to sort of help you navigate your interest in this, which is understandable, I think it is helpful to be precise in identifying what people want to accomplish with the prosecution of Donald Trump. I think that makes it easier to have a discussion around what what is and isn't appropriate or effective. Because just to give you the most crude example, right, a lot of people want Trump in prison. ASAP, they want him to be politically dead and incapable of retaking office. I very much doubt this case will do that. I. Feel much more strongly that if the justice department had completed a responsible investigation and indicted trump say at the start of 2022 the situation would be entirely different the political situation would be different the legal case and the public's reaction to it would be entirely different and the possibility that trump would actually go to prison upon a conviction would be much much higher so you know so that's just one example, right? Of like, if you have a particular objective, how are you trying to get there? And is this the, really the best way to get there? It's strictly as a matter of kind of mercenary realpolitik or something like that, legal realpolitik, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we can do that with other sets of objectives, if you like, if you want to throw them out there and we can talk about those. But that's why I say, like, just because, you know, people have in their mind a sort of a singular objective of so- some sort. It does not mean that just anything that appears to resemble that thing will get you there.
0: I want to actually play a clip of Donald Trump. This is a moment from a speech he delivered from Mar-a-Lago last Tuesday, and he was talking about his indictment in New York. Spend time there today, as you possibly read, with a local failed district attorney charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history. My lawyers came to me and they said, there's nothing here. They're not even saying what you did. Okay, so Donald Trump appears to agree with you that this isn't a good case. But then let's hear D.A. Bragg again. He's talking about the timing of this investigation, which has been going on for quite some time and may have surprised people that suddenly ended up in an indictment.
1: Since that time, we've had uh, more evidence uh, made available to the office and opportunity to meet with additional witnesses. Uh, So uh, as I said earlier, I've been doing this for 24 years. Uh, I don't bring cases prior to a thorough and rigorous investigation. Now having done so, the case has been brought.
0: So you're saying that this is is possibly a bad case, that this is going to be tough to prove. But if it's not necessarily the type of law-breaking that might send someone to jail, shouldn't it be? Shouldn't this be illegal?
1: Well, that is a question about the merits of the case, right? Um, Yeah. And and the legal issues surrounding it and the evidentiary strength of the case, right? The mere fact that this allegation has been thrown out, right? It doesn't solve those questions or concerns that people have about whether this is, quote unquote, the right case. I do also want to add sort of an observation that I think people should bear in mind as they read all of this commentary coming around. I think some of the criticisms of the case on the merits are actually too strong. There are definitely legal issues, you know, that are going to be litigated of the course of this case. It presents tricky, factual issues concerning, among other things, the centrality of Michael Cohen as a cooperating witness. I've written about those things, but one of the things that I've been frustrated by in the commentary is that this notion that this is like, the weakest case, and that assessment seems to reside on on a really unfair comparison to my mind. You're, people are comparing a real criminal case in front of us, right, with real criminal charges and a whole bunch of people, every lawyer in the country like scrutinizing it against yeah. these idealized hypothetical cases that they have in their minds that are coming down from the Justice Department potentially, or Georgia potentially, that they think will be perfect The same sorts of issues are going to present themselves if those cases are indicted. Maybe not, you know, the the exact same permutations or at the same levels of intensity, but people are going to do the same thing with cases like that. Are there legal issues here? Um, Are there legal wrinkles here? Potential immunity, preemption, whatever issues, all these terms that get thrown out in the course of legal discussion, they're going to be factual um, challenges for any prosecutor bringing a case uh, in those other areas. So like, I kind of think the criticism of the case have been almost to some extent, like a little, a little misleading because it's a real case against hypothetical ones. And a lot of the assessment of the hypothetical cases, which may very well be filed. You know, I'm not saying that they they won't be, they might be are based on similarly simplistic kind of views of the evidence uh in, in those cases right a oh, lot of i people... see you're
0: saying i'm a simpleton
1: no <laughs> not you not you um <laughs> I, i'm actually talking specifically about some of the legal writers and Syria to be honest i don't think this is an area where ordinary people should be faulted for doing their best to understand these issues at all americans should be engaging with this and coming up with their own opinions on all of this but you know a lot i'll just to give you one example a lot of legal commentators said okay when, when documents were found at mar-a-lago last august Trump's going to be indicted any day. The case is open and shut. It's like a drug possession case. And and I think that sentence has probably lingered in the minds of many people. That's not true either. And so if Trump is charged in connection with that case, I can already spot some of the legal issues that are going to surround that case, potential factual issues that are going to surround that case, including on the obstruction piece. That doesn't mean the case shouldn't be brought. Every good, challenging, high-profile criminal case that is well-lawyer will generate issues like this. That is what good lawyers and legal analysts are paid to do. And this is Trump. So it is going to attract infinitely more attention from legal observers and analysis than any other case in the country. So for people, you know, now I'm trying to, be a little helpful to the people who are cheering on the Manhattan DA's office who are maybe a little down about that. I would say it's still early stages to predict that this prosecution will somehow fall apart.
0: All right. So I I, I have to clear up exactly what this all means. Um, And we'll do that in just a moment. We're going to take another quick break. Uh, This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. And we're speaking with Ankush Kardori about whether or not those who believe Trump has broken the law are right to celebrate uh, the indictment. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. Did you cheer when Donald Trump was indicted in New York? Ankush Kardori says maybe you were too quick to do that. Uh, we are talking with Kardori about whether or not the indictment in New York was really the best way to go about holding the powerful accountable. This is Hear Me Out. It's a podcast from Slate, and I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Okay, before we took a break, Ankush, you were showing a little kindness to people like me who feel as though this whole process of investigation and never seemingly reaching an indictment, for me, it has felt excruciatingly long. That They say the wheels of justice grind slowly but exceedingly fine, right? Well, slow, it just doesn't even begin. It's moving so slowly, I can't even see it turning. Um, and so that sort of fed... I think, for many people, some satisfaction when an indictment actually happened, when Donald Trump actually had to appear in a court. You're saying you understand and empathize with that?
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes.
0: But you're also saying that feeling of victory is possibly, I don't want to say misplaced, but is, is maybe a little bit premature because A, we don't know how strong this case is, but also it sets a bad precedent for the country that it's a local prosecutor and not the Justice Department. Do I have this right?
1: Yeah, I mean what I'm trying to identify from people is like that this is more complicated than, you know, they they maybe have been led to believe and that there are parts of this that you can be pleased with, but that there are collateral consequences that we also just can't ignore it was up to the justice department and the president to assert some national leadership when he came into office and to ensure that the country could go through this process in a responsible way and national leaders are supposed to demonstrate national leadership on national issues the moment that trump left office or the moment at least that merrick garland came into office a couple months later The Justice Department should have been investigating those things, they should have told the public that they were investigating those things, and they should have told any local prosecutors who may have been at the time in the early stages of their own investigations that they could stand down because the Justice Department is going to do what it often does in these cases, take the lead and ask local prosecutors to step aside. They're normally happy to do that because they have plenty of other things on their plate.
0: Okay, this is where I get frustrated, and this is where we disagree. So I, I want you to help me understand why I can let my frustration go. Because, you know, watching, and, and it's not just Donald Trump. I mean, as a journalist watching the federal government for the 25 years that I have been covering it, I see a lot of evidence that the powerful, the wealthy are not held to account that there are not the same consequences for them as there are for the rest of us. And that is for the very reason that the Justice Department is so cautious. They often do things like James Comey with Hillary's emails that are politically, possibly politically motivated and end up causing more damage than they solve. I mean, it's been quite a while for me as an American citizen. It's been a while since I've been able to point to the Justice Department and say, way to go. You're really you know speaking truth to power here and so like waiting for the justice department to step in like an avenging angel i just don't i don't see it happening
1: i think your description of the contemporary history of the department's track record in the, in, in this area is spot on that is why I, I mean i've spent years actual years going back to november 2020 when i wrote a piece called the case for prosecuting trump for the new york review of books saying that the federal government needs to get involved ASAP once he's out of office on the financial issues. On the day of January 6th, I wrote another piece for the New York Review of Books saying that the Justice Department needs to investigate Trump on these issues. And the reason why, you know, I I tried to do my best in what limited ability I had. And by the way, I wrote a piece for Politico February of 2021 after the January 6th committee was in circulation. I said, this can't be enough the Justice Department has to conduct a criminal investigation. This was February 2021. So I say that because I I totally agree with you that this was not something that we should have expected would happen. That is why it was something I was strongly advocating should happen.
0: There is a concern um, that... This indictment from New York sets a precedent. For those who believe these charges against Donald Trump are politically motivated, does this open the door to reprisals, to other, say, right wing prosecutors to charge people on the left?
1: Yeah, look, I do think it sort of softens the ground, right? It makes it easier for conservative or Republican local DA somewhere in the future to do something comparable. Obviously, we shouldn't just entertain like bad faith investigations and shouldn't reward that. But there are uh, a lot of tools that local DAs have available. And we have a really, really broad and complex ticket of criminal laws in this country. So there is really fertile ground for some mischief here in the future.
0: Is that part of the reason why you have the opinion that people shouldn't be fully celebrating?
1: Yes, that is, you know, um, that that downstream consequence, which concerns me quite a bit, um, is, is the reason why I say we can't just unambiguously cheer this on.
0: Okay, the difference here, at, and, and you know, this is sort of where this podcast lives, is that um, there are a lot of people who disagree with you, or at least believe they disagree with you, and they're not expressing it by inviting you onto their podcast to <laughs> talk about it respectfully. <laughs> you're getting hate mail.
1: Yeah. and I mean, look, I'm, I'm getting some nasty emails. Um, some with some quite surprising, let's just say some language I would never use, um, in, in emails with anyone. I've got pretty thick skinned and, and, and I understand that that's not the case for everyone. So I don't want to suggest that sort of conduct is tolerable, but as it happens, you know, it kind of, uh, something I'm able to just like let fly by. What is frustrating me the most is that like, People don't even read the things that they are complaining about. So I've gotten a bunch of emails saying, you know, kind of how dare you think that, like, you know, a a criminal should go free. And it's like, that's not what I think. That's not what I think. And, you know, Trump's got to, you know, we have to present from events Trump from getting back into power. And it's like, okay, that's, that's a very reasonable objective and skeptical that this is going to facilitate that outcome.
0: So the reason I bring it up, though, Ankush, is because... This could become a legal matter. And I say that because Americans' inability to talk about any of this without escalating into at least anger, if not threats of violence, um, Mm -hmm. is already showing up in in death threats to D.A. Bragg, um, death threats to the judge who was overseeing this case. Donald Trump has been cautioned by the judge about what he says about the case, something he's already apparently broken. Um, When you're talking about dangerous precedences, having this play out in a local jurisdiction first, is this part of what you're worried about?
1: Not exactly that it's tied to this, the the fact that it's in a local jurisdiction, simply because um, just realistically, it's a heavily democratic jurisdiction with a robust uh, law enforcement apparatus both NYPD Mm -hmm. and federal law enforcement. So I think actually, if your concern is about like civil unrest, I mean, just as a practical matter, New York City is probably the best place to hold a proceeding like this without civil unrest because Manhattan, you know, hates Donald Trump. 86% of the borough voted for Joe Biden in 2020, which is why like we've all been fielding these questions about, you know, is there going to be another January 6th? And I've just been, you know, telling folks, I very much doubt it simply because January 6th appears to have involved a very significant failure on the part our federal law enforcement and the NYPD and federal law enforcement in Manhattan have gotten very good at securing downtown Manhattan since 9-11. So um, that's not really super concerning to me. Now, of course, a targeted death threat is a very different thing, right? And a, and a targeted death threat at a key at the key figures, like an Alvin Bragg, um, yeah. is obviously very different from some nasty email that I get, right? So, uh, I don't mean to place those two things in the same bucket, but you know, like we've we got to be able to civilly disagree and all that, and that's something I, I, I feel strongly about as well. But the other thing that has been just like sort of frustrating me a little bit is that the sort of blinding light of Trump and the way it kind of generates so much heated emotion among mm-hmm. political partisans it actually clouds their judgment not some metaphors, but it actually clouds their judgment and so like it makes it harder for them to like actually try to attend to these issues in the most serious way possible because they just they just see trump
0: they're either blindly for him or blindly against which a kind of it makes me feel like this might be an area where we a- agree that many of the people protesting and, and expressing outrage over the indictment possibly don't understand or didn't want to dig into it far enough to understand the real legal issues and that's possibly true of those who were happy right
1: yeah yeah and I, and I think you know the thing that I would say to the people like on the left who yeah. you know to, to, for my opinion may be uh, unpopular is separate out all like constitutional high mindedness and all everything if you really just want to get down to brass tacks right you're like getting so fixated around the Trump of it all is not gonna help you achieve whatever like practical outcome you want. And what I mean by that is like, I've been saying like, okay, let's say you want Trump in prison. That doesn't mean that this is gonna get you there. It doesn't mean it was the most effective way to put Trump in prison. When I say to people who want Trump to be in prison, I say to them, you probably should have joined me in late 2020 and early 2021 advocating for the justice department to be on the scene asap that would have given you a much higher probability of the outcome you want than the one that you're currently contemplating
0: i mean i think that's that's fair enough although i'm sure we will hear from listeners hopefully in a respectful way uh on kush kadori thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you for having me
0: so i'm really glad that we had on kush here because his op-ed sparked a lot of outrage and I think he's right that a lot of people didn't fully understand it. I read all the way through it and I got to say, I didn't know how I felt about it. I'm not sure I I still know exactly how I feel about it. And maybe that's because my attitude toward Donald Trump as a person and as a former president is a little bit complicated. I want to be able to respect the office of the president. At the same time, I strongly believe that people are not above the law. I also believe there may not be political will on the federal level to actually put these federal indictments through. And so part of me is like, look, if there's the evidence there and they have a case, I'm going to celebrate the indictment. But what do you think? We want to hear your thoughts on social media. You can find Slate on Twitter at Slate. I am at Celeste Headley. Thanks once again to Ankush Kardori for joining us. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations. And Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. And until next time, speak your mind, but keep it open.